That being said, welcome to the Personal Best Podcast powered by Jets Australia. My name is Bart. I'm here with Jacob. How you going, guys? And we have ha, we have a big subject today, something that we'll talk about for many more episodes, but something that we're going to build the foundation on, a sort of change of paradigm on, and that is cardio-respiratory training. Fun. Yes. Super fun. And I, not, not boring, I, right? No, not boring at all. Super fun. I'm not Teach me about it, Bart. What I'll, are we learning? I'll, I will. No, before we get into that, though, Jacob, we gave you a, uh, an assignment last week. You did. The uh-huh. lovely people at BSC gave us some pre-workout, gave me some pre-workout, ultra-strong coffee. And I said that I would try it and yes. give it a go for the week. And, and my review so far was I tried it at first. And first, I was a bit underwhelmed. Uh-huh. And May, I was in the gym, wasn't feeling great. But was that because I had a massive KFC meal beforehand, having it with the coffee? <laughs> the jury's still out on that. But I think that had a lot to do with it because the further times after that, I had it. I felt great. Probably as G'd up as I could get in the last six months at the gym with it because I do have a coffee sometimes. Sometimes I have pre-workout. Mm-hmm. But I've just been having a coffee mm-hmm. before I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. But this gives me the extra little... Little something. Feels like pre-workout. It's still a coffee. I get the best of both worlds. So Loved just it. so just to clarify, first time you tried it was after you had some pretty nasty KFC. Yeah. And it d- didn't go down. No, well. like okay. it was there. I d- it didn't bring me out of the KFC horrors that you feel, you know, after a KFC meal, you kind yes. of hate yourself. But I was brought out of that the next day and was ready to go. The last time I had, we're talking about this before, the last time I had KFC was after a 24-hour endurance race in, must have been 2018, I think. Anyway, you, you ran a 10K loop for 24 hours. We did it in a team and then afterwards we had KFC and it made me horribly, horribly sick. And that, yeah. was, that was the last time I had KFC. Because I can imagine having it on a regular day makes me feel horribly, horribly sick. <laughs> yeah. So after... 24 hours of running would be a lot worse. And yet we always come back for more. So BSE, don't pair it with a KFC meal. No, Just have it on probably some nutritious food or nothing at all. You'll mm-hmm. feel great. That's really cool. I'm actually quite keen to, to try it. It does have, um, I think we mentioned this last week, it does have beta alanine, which I'm a big fan of for the um, for endurance. Um, and Michaela, we um, we yes. tried the, the, the Beauty Sleep hot chocolate with collagen in it from BSE as well. How was that for you? I know the people can't see or hear you, but how did you go? Right. I think I had sweet Cadbury chocolate in my mind. Yes. But does sweet Cadbury chocolate have collagen in it? No, (laughs) no, it does not. Thank you, BSC. It was a little bit healthier, but it Uh was definitely, yeah, definitely a healthy hot chocolate to finish off the afternoon with. Something I imagine you could adjust to, but like it, it too has some pretty cool ingredients too. And I tried it as well, Michaela. I added a bit of um, a bit of warm macadamia milk, which lulled me into a beautiful Delicious. soupy mess before bed. A good soupy mess, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Really, really great products that they're coming out with. So you haven't tried the team. We do have a 15% discount for you. Jets15 at bodyscience.com.au for 15% off uh, all of their products. Try the pre-workout that Jacob now endorses. Try the, uh, the new hot chocolate as well. Um, there's some awesome stuff that they've got coming out. Cardio. Awesome. My favorite type of running. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob does a lot of cardio. In case. I love it. I, f- I feel like uh, p- part of my instance with this episode is to convince you to try and do a little. Oh, look, I'll try and do a bit more. I want to get my cardio up. Okay, good. 
Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll... I haven't been playing as much sport, mm-hmm. cardio sport as I usually do. So yes. I do need to get back on track. So how do I right. do that? But what are the learnings? What are the types of cardio that I should be learning about? What will I learn today? We'll just, just, just buckle up. I'm simmering. I'm trying you. to simmer. Right. So, and this is something for you at home as well. If you've already lumped cardio into the fact that it's hard, it ruins my gains, it sucks, and you only do it for weight loss, for lack of a better word, don't. Because the fact is your cardio respiratory system, so we're talking about how you breathe, um, how you transport oxygen, the pumping of the blood, the transfer of the oxygen and CO2 in the capillaries and the alveoli, all of these little processes, this whole system is on from the day you are born to the day that you die. It is an essential for life. So just knowing that, it's within our best interest to optimize this system, not only just for a better quality of life, but for better attainment of whatever goals, you know, we, we may have. And I like to think of it as in a weights room, we know that we can do certain sets and certain reps to elicit a certain result. I, I do lower reps with a heavier weight to get stronger. Um, you know, hypertrophy, I can do at just about any rep range, but typically a little moderate rep range, looking for that um, uh, metabolic stress signal. It's the same with cardio. We can't just lump it all into one big gratuitous lump that sucks. We need to nuance it. And so if we nuance our cardio, we can tell our body or send our body a very specific signal. So today what we're going to do is go through, to simplify things, three types of cardio. Moderate, high, and low intensity. All right? All of these different types of cardio use a different energy substrate in the body. It means that... To, to use this energy system, our body needs a different fuel. And from what we've learned from a lot of literature and a lot of experience is that if we isolate these energy systems, low, moderate, and high, we can develop these energy systems to give our body more nuanced and better results. Now, and this may sound a bit confusing to you at home, but to illustrate my point, I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on a visualization all right, stay with okay. me, okay? I'm here, I'm here for the woo-woo experiment. Woo-woo is good. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and Jacob, when you... Are ca- people at home doing this as well? Yeah, hell yeah. And Michaela, you can do it too. No, you... Actually, no, you open your eyes. No, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Hold on. Yep. Um, when, you, when you cut this together, can you put some like woo-woo music in? Okay. Like in the background? Yep. All right, excellent. <clears throat> but don't, don't close your eyes if you're like walking on busy roads or driving. No, or if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. You'd hope that would be common sense. Pause this, go home, so, yeah, sit down. Yeah, woo-woo music, close your eyes, open your mind. Imagine yourself on a running track. Your coach is in front of you. There is a slight breeze, but the temperature is comfortable. Not too hot, not too cold. You are ready to run. This is very theatrical and this is wonderful. Your coach, with hints of coffee on his breast, instructs you to do a 20-minute max effort around the track. All right, 20 20 minutes max effort, remember that. 20 minutes is a long time, but you trust your coach. There must be method to the madness. Three, two, one, go. And you set off with reckless abandon. Your legs are moving fast. At about the 10 second mark, you begin to slow down. This is important. Your lungs feel fine. Your muscles aren't burning, but it feels like you can't keep up with the pace you want to be going at. All right, so you're not burning yet, you're just slowing down a bit. Between 20, sorry, between 10 and 30 seconds, you slow down even more. Now, it feels like you're running through mud. 
Here comes that burny feeling that we all know in our legs. At around the 40 second mark, you manage to find a steady, but albeit slower pace. The burn is real here. It hurts, but you push through because you're strong. At the, three, at the three to five minute mark, all of a sudden you feel pretty good. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but it's manageable. Yep, you're moving slower, but you are moving. And then for the next sort of 10 to 12 minutes, you keep this pace. Some bits are a bit faster, some bits feel a bit harder, but overall you keep a relative speed. And then your coach shouts out four minutes to go. So you speed up a little bit. Your legs begin to burn a bit more. Your lungs start to be on fire again. And then with 30 seconds to go, you break out into a near sprint almost at the same pace you started with. You've crossed the finish line, the workout is over, and open your eyes, namaste. So here in this example, we've gone through three of the energy systems and the transition of these energy systems all within one sort of run, all right? We have the high intensity energy system, which we consider our phosphogen, creatine phosphate, or um, uh, a lactic energy system. There's a lot of names for it. And this sort of happens between the 10 and 30, 40 second mark primarily. All right. You then transition into your moderate, which is also called your glycolytic um, uh, energy system, where we start to use carbohydrates more as a fuel. And that lasts mainly for three to five minutes-ish. And then we sort of start to prioritize our aerobic energy system for the bulk of it. And then at the end, something really funny happens is that we transition back into more of a glycolytic energy system and then finish with a sprint with whatever stored ATP we have. So what we're trying to get at here is there's three specific intensities all of them are working at once. So if I say, all right, you're doing an aerobic run, Michaela, because you're training for the Sunny Coast Half Marathon, yes, you'll primarily be in your aerobic energy system, but your, your, sorry, your low intensity energy system, but your moderate intensity energy system and your high intensity energy system are still moving, replenishing, and, and doing their thing. They're not off. All three energy systems are on at the same time. What we want to do in our training in the gym is isolate these energy systems and train them. We don't want to muddy the waters. And it's the same with weight training here. I'm not doing a bit of, bit of everything. No. Doing picking one, pick and stick. Absolutely. Do you're, that for the day. You're, you're, you're setting an intention. Okay. So if you're, if you're, for example, if you're going to the gym and you're, you want to get strong and you've got programmed a, a five by five deadlift, very simple but very effective way to get stronger. And then at, after that workout, you decide to go for or decide to do a circuit that goes for 45 minutes where there's like a row and a, and a pull-up and a, and a kettlebell swing, mm -hmm. you're muddying the waters of the energy systems that you're using, which is good in some phases of your training, but fundamentally we want, we want to sort of isolate first and then integrate later. Okay. All right? Three energy systems. High intensity. This is where we started. When we're using our high-intensity energy system, we're primarily using ATP. Adenosine triphosphate, which might take you right back to year 10 biology. Do you remember that? Yes, the Krebs cycle. Everyone's oh. heard of this before. Basically, it's a very potent and very powerful source of energy in your cells. Because it's so powerful and potent, you can't hold it for very long. So a good example of, the, of this energy system is a 100-meter sprinter. The, the race goes between 9 and 11 seconds, whatever, if, if, you're really if, you if you're really elite. And you're primarily using ATP that stored energy. It's very rare that a 100-meter sprinter will start to dip into their um, glucose stores as a primary fuel source. All right. When are we starting to get into that? Is that 400 meters plus? 
Yeah, you could say after that. You could say it's sort of more accurate to think about it in a, in a time frame. Okay. So in fact, yeah, there's a not st- a distance a time. Uh, thing. It, it can be. It depends how fast you run. You know. Anyway, fast. so like about the about the fifteen <laughs> odd second mark is where you start to transition between high intensity and moderate intensity energy. And so your, your high-intensity energy system depletes, your motor intensity starts to pick up to, to try and keep it at a relative pace. Um, but when we're talking high-intensity here, because we can't hold the intensity for very long, we have to train it in intervals, all right, which you may know as high-intensity interval training. It's very popular at the moment. Hit. Hit, yes. And the money with hit is, yes, the high intensity, but the interval part of it is very intricate and, and often misunderstood. So if we want to try and train hit um, from a purist point of view, we need to move anywhere between sort of 10 to 30 seconds, 40 seconds maybe, and then rest from anywhere between a minute to four or five minutes plus. The reason being is that we need to replenish that ATP. If we start the, in, the next interval too soon and we haven't fully fully sort of restored our ATP stores, we're not effectively training the use of that energy. So I like to think of it as the money when it comes to HIT training is about how hard you push, but it's more about how well you recover. And in fact, how well you recover from a high-intensity interval in terms of heart rate and how fast your heart rate drops is indicative of how healthy and well-functioning your cardiorespiratory system is. So a good way to train with HIIT is using, is using your heart rate. And it's the same with low intensity as well. If we know, we're, we're, if we're doing 30-second intervals, we hammer it, we give it absolutely everything we've got, which we should with our high-intensity interval training work. If we don't, we're not using the right energy system as, uh, as discussed. And then we watch our heart rate in the rest interval. We want that heart rate to drop below what's called your aerobic threshold, which we'll talk about in a second. If it doesn't, um, you know, we arguably we could not be getting the cardiorespiratory adaptation that we want from that HIT session. I know it's a bit nerdy, but it's, it's good to understand this. We need to rest when we do our HIT work so we can hit the same output every single interval. All right. Why? Yeah. So why am I, when am I doing this high interval stuff? But what am I, if I'm just a regular gym goer, mm-hmm. am I integrating this? Um, am I doing a phase where I'm doing some high intensity mm-hmm. interval training to build that up, or do I, yeah, do I integrate it in my normal training schedule? I think yeah, I think you almost answered the question within your question. We we we, we integrate it, okay. and it's good to understand as well that the body adapts to everything that we do. So if you're listening to this and you go, Bart said hit training is really effective, it upgrades my nervous system. It can sometimes make us build muscle. It can increase my power output. It can help me burn calories throughout the day. Bart said this, so I'm only going to do hit training from here on out. That's probably the wrong approach mm. because the body adapts. And so we need to give it dif- differing signals uh, and differing stimulus for it to adapt against. That being said, HIT training done once, twice, maximum three times a week is a really effective way to upregulate your cardiorespiratory system in a very short amount of time. And there's a number of studies that back this up as well. Also a good way to burn a lot of calories if that's your intention with cardio training. But the recommendation is to focus on performance first and worry about burning calories a bit later. So as mentioned, high-intensity interval training affects your nervous system. And in fact, for those that want to build muscle, it's a really great way to, um, to train your cardiorespiratory system because you're using a very high output of your nervous system, 
which um, uh, which activates these type two muscle fibers, which are prone to hypertrophy, are prone to growth, which is why you'll get someone who's never done hit before, maybe he's been a gym rat for a long time. You get them to do hit, and all of a sudden, you know, their, their legs are a little bit bigger because of it, because of the output and the power output that they're doing on the assault bike or or the roller or, or whatever. So, a very effective way if you um to to train. Um, for almost every goal in a short amount of time. But shouldn't be the only thing that we do, even though it's really sexy and kind of fun sometimes. And I think a word of warning as well, it can be overdone. Don't burn yourself out. Nailed it, yes. And it happens all the time. I see it a lot. People come in every single day to do hit training, to do high-intensity, absolute smash myself, beast mode sort of sessions, but the body can't do that. The mind might be willing, but the body's output is only at that moderate-intensity um, uh, level and that's not what we want and the best way to sort of gauge this is to have a look at when you're doing your intervals on a machine or if you're running your paces and if those paces aren't getting faster in these max efforts if that watt rate isn't going up on the machine in these max efforts in fact if, if it starts to go down we're probably doing too much we don't want to burn ourselves out with hit training I want to go to the other end of the spectrum now so we know high intensity is um, really good for us Low intensity is just as good if, there's a big if. There's a big if. If it's done at a low intensity. Okay. Don't do low intensity high. (laughs) If you were thinking about it. It's true. Could crack the code, you know. You could figure it out. But it's it's very true though. And this this happens a lot. Um, And if we look at the, the best proponents of the low intensity training is when we look at marathon runners, half marathon runners, endurance athletes as a whole, there's a great book called 80-20 Running by Matt Fitzgerald. You'd love that book, Michaela. Um, uh, and it's all, what he did is he looked at the training splits in terms of these energy systems, low, medium, and high, of all, the, all these, endurance, these elite endurance athletes across multiple sports. He looked at runners. He looked at cyclists. He looked at um, um, Nordic skiers, long-distance skiers. And so he, he sort of looked at how, how they're training and what's the commonality between all of these sports and there's a few commonalities. Um, one is the diet is very high in carbohydrates. Granted, they're doing a lot of exercise. Uh, and another thing was that they're spending most of their time, roughly 80% of their time, in this aerobic or low-intensity energy system. And how low exactly? It's a bit subjective, but there's one objective measure by a guy called Phil Maffetone that I've been using for years to great effect. Phil Maffetone um, is a great endurance practitioner and coach. Um, have a look at his stuff. And th- his whole idea is that we should be spending most of our time in a low-intensity uh, low um, endurance state to develop our race pace and to develop our aerobic energy system. And so the way he does it is, is with a very simple equation, 180, 180 minus your age. So I'm 31. So 180 minus 31 is 149. And so 149 beats per minute is my predicted aerobic threshold, which you mentioned before. And the aerobic threshold... That is f- high as I want to go? You, or the, sta- the you constant? No, you want to stay below that. Stay below that. So if you want to sort of paint a black and white, 149, if I go 150, all of a sudden I'm diving into a moderate intensity, intensity energy system. Yeah. That, that's not what I want to develop most of the time. Mm. But there's caveats, you know, if you're a bit fitter or you've been running for a little while, that, that, that equation might be a bit higher. If you're very deconditioned, that equation might be a bit lower. So there's a bit of subjective context that needs to be factored in. 
And so when we're talking about low-intensity aerobic work, we want that intensity to be very low. So if you do have a heart rate, heart rate monitor, do the equation. Jacob's I one. got one the other day just because you were talking about it so what, much. Do you, do, I, do you know what your resting heart rate is? Oh, no idea. No, oh. I haven't really dove into the apps for this yet. But that's, that's I should your, actually test that out That's, that's your mission today. for next week. I want to know okay. what your resting heart rate is. Um, I want to know everything about it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> L- low intensity, right? So do the, if you do have a heart rate monitor, do, do the equation. And next time you're out for a run or go for your long, steady state work, which is how we develop this aerobic energy system, keep an eye on your heart rate and make sure it doesn't go above that threshold. In fact, stays below that threshold. And if you don't have a heart rate monitor, that's all right. Think of like a three or four out of 10 effort level and move at that pace, which is about 30 or 40% effort. Um, or go for a long run, ride, or whatever, row, and see if you can breathe through your nose. If you can breathe through your nose, typically we're, we're at the right intensity. You're trying to find oh, your heart 67 rate, you? is my resting hey, that's today. that's not bad. Congratulations. Yeah, great. I don't know if that's... Mine's great. 49. Whoa, okay. I need it's, to chill out. It's low, but it's not... It's not <laughs> there's lower. I've, I've seen 32s. It's, okay. it's nuts. Like their heart beats once every two seconds. It's nuts. So low intensity work, aerobic threshold or below. The way we develop it isn't through intervals like high intensity interval training because we can sustain this energy system for a very, very, very long time. We, we don't want to stop. When you do your low intensity work, you're going to feel like you're moving very slow. That's the idea. We want to develop that energy system by spending time in it. If, if you're doing your run and you're at the right heart rate and you're like, ah, oh, I'm just going to speed up a little bit. We're muddying the waters like we talked about before. We want to be purist and isolate that energy system and stay within it. So if you're a gym goer and you spend a bit of time on the elliptical, half an hour every day or whatever, keep an eye on your heart rate, do the equation. All our machines have heart rate monitors on them and keep your heart rate below that level and just stay in it. I stay in it at a minimum of 20 minutes and a maximum of hours. Hours. Yeah, in in a way. Is there a specific cardio machine or anything i just anything i can be doing it to yep. that heart rate absolutely and you can even go to the point where so for example people who perform functional fitness or, or crossfitters you can perform this style of training for stuff like chest endurance work so if you know your pulling endurance is really good like pull-ups but your pushing endurance is very poor like push-ups you can train this energy system by doing a set of push-ups and then once you hit failure, lie on your back, grab like a, a broomstick or a dowel rod and do some floor presses. Low intensity, similar um, movement pattern to facilitate this endurance in a specific muscle. It's okay. fascinating. But, and the real question is, why do we want to do this work? Yeah, why do I do it? What am I, why am I doing oh, this? Great question, mate. Giving me all these words and fancy things I need to do, but Why? Why? We want to develop this energy system so we can more effectively transfer oxygen. Oxygen, obviously, is, is, is life. And if we can get better at transferring oxygen into the cells and getting carbon dioxide out of the cells and out of our body, uh, we're going to be fundamentally healthier uh, and, and better functioning on an aerobic level. It also does a thing which, um, which is called increasing your mitochondrial density. So again, we're going back to year 10 biology. We're talking about organelles within the cell. The powerhouse of the cell is the mitochondria. This is the thing that breaks down and creates the energy. What aerobic training does is give you more mitochondria. So this means you can produce energy at a, at a faster rate and a more, a more sustainable rate. 
This is particularly important if you want to build muscle. Oh, that that ties in nicely to yes. things we've been talking about recently. <laughs> that's actually very true. but And it is true because if we know we have more mitochondria within our body or we're more aerobically efficient, we will recover faster between sets, we'll recover faster between workouts and we'll allow our body to take on more load from the exercise or volume we have within our week. So to, within your best interests, if you do want to pack on as much muscle as possible, to be at least a little bit more aerobically fit. Now, I'm not talking about you know, doing aerobic training every day. You can if you want. If you're in a calorie surplus, you still might build a bit of muscle. But all we're talking about is one session a week. It, can be a, it could be a hit training session, which will do something similar. But for the bodybuilder, I do like the aerobic sort of energy system. It's a 20-minute uh, on the bike, uh, on a treadmill, uh, and that's it. And you'll see, you'll see a big difference from that within your strength training program. So we've done. We've got two ends of the spectrum here. We've gone through hit training, high intensity. We've gone through low intensity. And when we look at training programs to develop these energy systems and just training programs to um, for whatever goal you may have, it's important to understand if we polarize our training by mainly focusing on the high intensity and low intensity, we're going to do most of the work for us. The middle intensity energy system, this glycolytic energy system, is often overprescribed and overdone within our gyms. Okay, so cut out, cut out the moderate, go high or low. Think about. I wouldn't cut it out, and maybe just be be aware of how much moderate intensity work that you are doing. And so, by I'm moderate, always aware of that. Are you really? I'm always aware of how moderate I am. And I'm trying to keep. I go hard or go home. I always thought you. I thought you never settled for media. No, never. That's it. That's why I'm always worrying about my moderate intensity. I'm get out <laughs> of that state, Jacob. Chilling or going hard. Wow, black or white. <laughs> black or white. I'm learning a lot about you today. 67 <laughs> uh, beats per minute, resting heart rate. Anyway, um, so when we talk about moderate intensity energy system here, this is stuff like circuits, um, stuff like a lot of um, group exercise classes. Um, you know, if you're doing a relatively high volume giant set or, or super set, you could be using this energy system as well. And what I often see is when people want to lose weight, they just go, I'm going to thrash myself for 45 minutes. I'm going to do 45 seconds work, 15 seconds rest, nonstop, go, 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 type A personality. And they'll see some results maybe in the first, you know, two or three weeks, but then they'll plateau. It's because they're spending too much time within this energy system. They're not teaching their body to use oxygen and fat as a fuel, and they're not teaching their body to develop neurologically and become um, a, a, a metabolic beast by doing your high-intensity work or strength training work. So the moderate-intensity work is important for a number of reasons, um, including increasing your lactate threshold, but should be, um, should be programmed wisely in a way. So if you're new and you're, you're wanting, to, wanting to know how to do cardio, I'd always start with low intensity, which might be a bit boring, understand that, or high intensity, which might be a little bit more exciting for them, and then weave our way or make our way into the, the moderate intensity work when we want to increase our calorie burn. And just like we've talked about in episodes past, we don't want to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. We want to start with the minimal effective dose let that work and then increase our volume from there. So okay. Would that not be getting, if I'm adding my low intensity, adding mm. that, am I getting into the moderate intensity there? If you're adding your low intensity. <laughs> if I'm doing a lot of it. No, if not if the intensity is low. I just stay, stay low. Yeah, for now. Yeah. For now. And, and again, like I mentioned, the body, the body changes and the body adapts. 
We want to make sure that we're giving our body the right fundamentals or the right foundation to start with. And then we can start to look at that moderate intensity energy system once we've figured out um, this high and low first. What's the good What's the good about moderate intensity? What am I getting out of that? So it, 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 does, it does a number of things. One, it teaches our body to, to utilize glucose uh, and store glucose in the body called glycogen as a fuel. So our body stores energy, essentially. When we eat carbohydrates, it stores it within our heart, uh, our muscles, our liver, and it liberates this energy when we need it or when we hit that energy system. And so going within this energy system or training within this energy system, we teach our body to fluctuate these glycogen stores a bit more effectively. On top of that, we play with this idea of your lactate threshold. So we've talked about aerobic threshold, 180 minus your age. Mm-hmm. All right. That's when we're below that. We're using oxygen and fat as a fuel within our aerobic energy system thereabouts. We're prioritizing our aerobic energy system. Our lactate threshold is sort of another notch I like to put in your energy system spectrum. It's where you are creating lactic acid but buffering the lactic acid at the same rate. So it means that you're, you're moving as fast as you can without slowing down. So this, this okay. L- yes. So this lactate threshold is a really interesting thing to Before play I with. start breaking down, is that? Yes, is that absolutely. absolutely. So think of it as the highest pace that you can hold without slowing down. Okay. All right. Um, and increasing this lactate threshold obviously means we can move at faster rates, be more efficient at faster rates. But training this lactate threshold sort of uh, requires us to sort of dip our toe into this lactate threshold area, which for me sits at about 171 beats per minute, 174, 171 to 174 according to my Garmin. So in terms of finding where your lactate threshold is, it's, it's hard to do objectively. There's no sort of quick equation like Maffetone gave us. Um, we dip our toe at or around that aerobic threshold, and then again we allow ourselves to recover. So a good example of a glycolytic energy system training session developed to, um, to increase your lactate threshold might be as simple as jumping on a rower, you know, in fact, jumping on a running track like we were, like we were talking about before uh, and doing an, uh, a 600-meter run, which okay. is an awful distance. Anywhere between sort of 400 and 800 is hard to do fast. Yeah. It, just, it really hurts. Um, so we do a 600, we, we, we fang it. We then rest and recover, let that heart rate drop below that aerobic threshold. We fang it again, let that heart rate creep up and sustain at a lactate threshold. When we recover, bring it down below aerobic threshold. So there's this sort of swing of heart rate and threshold work that teach our body to develop this energy system, which is a very convoluted way to say moving for a long time okay. at a reasonable intensity. Yep. So I want to sum up here to, to try and be as simple as possible. High intensity... Low intensity, moderate intensity. We won't be trying to do at least one of these a week, depending on what your goals are. All right. So I'm going to give some very general recommendations. If you're not here. watching, Bart's using his fingers a lot to to display <laughs> low, medium, and high on different ends of the spectrum. That's right. Low, like this. Low and medium are down with some here. claws, claw claw hands. It's, it's a visual. Medium. It's a visual, but not everyone's visual. I'm just trying to display to the listener. <laughs> Bart's doing some very nice dramatical pendulum effects. In fact, here. if you're listening to this at home, I want you to try as well. All right. Low intensity, high intensity, and moderate intensity. Yep. Oh, hit the mic. Um, so very generally here, I'm going to give some recommendations. All right. If you are training for muscle gain, 
It's within your best interests, in my opinion, to try and get one aerobic session in or one hit session in a week. Doesn't need to be much, just enough to dip your toe and start to upregulate your cardiorespiratory system to carry over to your recovery. Now, Ken, you said don't convolute everything. Do I have to do this separate to my weight training or can I add this to the end or before? Great question, Jacob. I love it. With HIT, if you want to to go down that that avenue. I'm not doing HIT after a weight (laughs) session, that's for sure. Add it in after your weight session. Oh, wow. (laughs) The the reason I say that, it depends what weight session you're doing. The reason I say that is that the energy system that we're using in our, our HIT work is very similar to what we're doing with our weights, if your 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 weights are re- if your reps are relatively low, so if you want to do hit, feel free to attach it on the end of your weight training session. Would not recommend doing it beforehand. I want you to have as much energy for the weights, and this is sort of a, an afterthought in a way. Or if you can, if you've got time, just find twenty minutes some day and do it as a separate session. And this is one thing that I get asked a lot. Like uh, you Yeah, can I just add it to my... Yeah. Or should I do weights or cardio first? Yeah. And the real answer is whatever you want to prioritize, do that first and make sure it doesn't take away so much from the latter. So I'll always often recommend doing the weights first and the cardio second or better yet, do them in different workouts. So if we know that we need to recover between our weight sessions, let's say we're doing a whole body split Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do your cardio on Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. So you're allowing yourself to recover. If you're doing low-intensity work, that low-intensity work will actually help you recover from the weight training session, push blood around, get rid of some metabolites, um, and develop your cardiorespiratory system at the same time. It's an awesome way to train. And I think that's the best way to go about it. Again, if we're talking about muddying the waters, the best way to sort of separate strength and cardio is to separate strength and cardio. All right. Okay. So for the person who wants to build muscle. Yep. For the person who wants to lose some weight. And as we mentioned in the weight loss episode, what they often do is just jump on the elliptical and move for a long time and then eat next to nothing. And then sort of in a month's time, they're eating very little, doing a lot. And as soon as they stop one or the other, the weight comes back. So the rule of thumb is um, always start with strength. And if you're a bit lost on this, listen to our, um, our weight loss episode. Continue the weight, the, the weight training program. That's your foundation. That's the fundamental. And then start with low intensity or high intensity, one session a week, and then build your volume up from there if you see fit, all right? But don't let it take away from the strength training work. That's our money when it comes to weight loss. Okay. Um, and then we can introduce some moderate stuff down the track. So don't think you have to thrash yourself in the gym every day to lose weight. That's, that's far, from, far from true. Start with strength and then add in some low intensity or high intensity and then work up to more voluminous cardio workouts from there. For the person who just wants general health, try and get all three. Low intensity, high intensity, and a moderate intensity workout in there alongside your strength training program. So that way you're developing all three of these energy systems. You're not muddying the waters by trying to do too much of one. You're sending a different stimulus to your body. Um, And that in turn will allow your body to flourish. If you're doing a sport, these recommendations, yeah, yeah they, they don't really, they don't, they don't really count. Because it depends okay. what, depends what. Sorry if you got this far. <laughs> yeah, no help for you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> if if you are doing a sport, you have to understand what sport we're doing. Like we mentioned about marathon runners and um, and half marathoners. Um, if we're doing that sort of training primarily 
at the start of our, our running phase, let's say we've got 12 weeks to a race or 10 weeks to a race, the first sort of four weeks we're primarily doing aerobic training. We're, de we're developing our aerobic base, increasing our mitochondrial density, teaching our body to use oxygen and fat as a fuel. And then as we get closer to the race, we can introduce some more tempo runs or glycolytic work uh, and then some hit work as well to get our body ready for the intensity it's about to have for, um, for the marathon. That's a much better approach than just going out and running 10Ks and then 11 and then 12 and then 13 and then 14. Yeah, because I the, the example I always give is if if we Jacob if we commit to do a marathon tomorrow, we could do it. We could like do it tomorrow. Yeah, or we we could do it. Right. Oh, physically. Physically, we could do. Oh, it. it's because we're specimens, though. But <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an <laughs> no, I'd fail. But but we could mentally we could. mentally we could do it. Right. We could I mean, we, we probably wouldn't be very fast. But oh, we, I definitely we could do it. I don't think I've ever run more than twelve k's in one really? in one go. No. Interesting. The furthest I've run in one go, I think, was 30. I'll get there, though. I'll eventually do one. Really? Well. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard <laughs> it here first. <laughs> there is a Sunshine Coast Marathon <laughs> oh, in 10 no. weeks. No, no. Um, you can come running with me. No. Excellent. Um, now, I've got to do my low intensity first. <laughs> yeah. I've got to trickle in some high intensity. There he is. And then work, work into that tempo it. run. There he is. He's, he's, he's getting there. Yeah. So these recommendations, what I'm trying to say is these recommendations are different if you're doing a sport. If you're playing yeah. rugby. What if I'm doing like my badminton tournaments coming up or something? Oh, yeah. Then uh, that's, 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 that's actually a really tough question. I just tried to pick a hard sport. That and you, you did. So if, if you're doing rugby or AFL, for example, the recommendations change a little bit depending on what part of the season you're in. So what, what I'm trying to say is when it comes to more sports-specific goals, if you have a date where you have a marathon or a date where your season starts, we have to nuance what training we're giving our body. We don't just simply do things and hope for the best. So in essence, you'll be doing a lot of all of these energy systems at different times of your given year, whether you're in season or, or out of season. And if you have any questions about that, if you do play sport and want to understand how you can incorporate certain cardio modalities, podcast at jets.com.au, ask us your question and we'll all get it answered here on the show. There's a lot, there's a lot to this, a lot to this subject. There is. <clears throat> but hopefully that sort of clears up in a way how to approach cardio. We need an intention. If we just jump, if we just go no. into the gym and jump on the treadmill. Can't go through the motions and just... See how it goes. No, you'll get have some, an intention. You, yeah, you'll get somewhere with it, but having an intention gets you further in the long run. So keep it low, keep it high, keep it moderate, and then we can integrate these energy systems into more, um, uh, more integrated workouts down the track. Okay. If that makes sense. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for teaching us about cardio, guys. Yeah. If you have any questions, further questions on cardio, yes. what to do for your badminton tournament <laughs> coming up, uh, podcast at jets.com.au. Shall we get into some questions? Yes, Bart? we shall. Okay. Let us see. All right. We've got a question from Mary. <coughs> I have heard you speak very highly of back squats, but mm -hmm. my knees hurt after I do them. What exercise should I be doing instead? Mary. Yes, back squats are great. And we do speak quite highly of back squats and the, the squatting pattern full stop. But I think the, the true answer to this question isn't what I should be doing instead. It's why are your knees hurting? A question many of us face. Yeah. And uh, yes. I, have, I don't have painful knees, but I have clicking knees. Mate, I've seen your knees. And <laughs> it's, they it's, are, it's, very it's a question that many can't 
answer because I don't know, they're weird. They click when I go past it. it is good for when I'm squatting. I know when I'm at the 90 degree <laughs> mark because that's when it clicks yes. and you see it click. <laughs> so if any experts out there know why my knees are clicking so much, it doesn't give me any pain and it's always happened ever since I stepped foot in a gym, it's Incredible. ever since I've got below the horizontal, um, it's clicked, but I don't get any pain from it. So I just like to put it in the back of my mind and hope it doesn't. And it's not, it's not just like a little click in the knee. No, it's you, like see, a, it's like a, it's you like a, see a ligament or some it looks cartilage like a rupture. snap. It's, it's like incredible. a snapping of it. You'll hear it from I think, across I think the room. People have thought there was plates dropped from the other side of the gym no, how much my knees are clicking. <laughs> I think it's because your hips are tight, but that's, it. that's just okay. me. But maybe we can do further investigation. But Mary has Sorry, asked, Mary. and it's not yep. my show. No. It's not my question. So... The back squat is such a good exercise. Yeah, in fact, some would call it the king of weight training exercises. I would be um, on uh, on that bandwagon as well. So just because your knees hurt is no reason to avoid it. The question is, why are your knees hurting? And nine times out of ten, it's because of the the, the technique of the of the movement. And this is the same with just about every movement. Technique is always the priority. The, the load always comes second. You're going to grow more muscle with better technique, even if the weight is lighter. If you can hit more ranges of motion with the lighter weight, you're going to grow more muscle. You're going to get stronger. Technique is king. All right. And my my thoughts are here, Mary, is that the the technique on your squat might be a bit off. You might be pushing too much onto the the toes of your feet, or your knees might be tracking too far over your toes, putting a lot of stress on the front of your knee. Uh, and plus your hip flexors could be a bit tight, your lower back could be a bit tight. It could contribute to the pain. So the recommendation here isn't avoid squats at all. It's to get someone to have a look at your technique. In fact, if you want to send a video in, podcast at jets.com.au, where you sent this question, uh, send us a video. We're happy to have a look at the technique for you and figure out what's happening with those knees. Because I can guarantee you, if you have no other health issues, if you've never had injuries with your hips, your ankles, your knees, your shoulders, you ha- if you're otherwise a pretty clean, <laughs> pretty clean uh pretty clean bill of health, your knees are hurting because we're in the wrong position. So we want to practice better positions. That being said, if we do want to practice the squat, we obviously have to stop squatting with weight. And so the recommendation is take the weight off, develop the technique with a, you know, a dowel rod or an empty bar, and in the interim, try some one-legged work, particularly stuff like Bulgarian split squats or pistol squats or reverse lunges. Things, Mary, that keep your shin relatively per- perpendicular to the floor. Because I know if there's a perpendicular shin to the floor, we're going to more than likely use our glutes a bit more, which could be a bit underactive, which could be why your knees are hurting mm. here. Too. And you'll find out where your imbalances are because I just started doing some more split squats nice. and I was a lot better on one than the other. That's great. So I know, I'm, I feel like I'm I'm good when I'm squatting regularly, but when I was doing split squats, mm. it's a bit harder on one side, so you've got it in balance there to try and fix. It's good, because once you do fix it, once you do start to correct the, imba- the, um, the imbalance, when you go back to your, your bilateral squats, your normal squats, all of a sudden there's a gear you haven't found before because you're probably shifting a bit or your, your, your hips tilting under and you won't know that and you won't fix that unless you go back to this unilateral way of training. So uh, I hope that answers your question a bit there, Mary. A little bit. Yeah, hopefully your knees hurt. But if they keep hurting, go, go see someone about that, don't Is let that, Also that. A yes. little bit of pain now gets a lot worse. <clears throat> yeah. That's, and saying. That's not the saying, but... 
pain, no pain, no gain? No. Wait. No. no knee pain. A no... little bit of pain now means a lot of pain in the future. If you ah, don't fix it. Something along those so lines. That's so wise and very true. Okay. okay. Hopefully that answers your question, Mary. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't burgle that question for too long. All right. This next one is from Nicole. Is <clears> protein <throat> powder a necessity for gaining muscle? Protein powder being um, a powdered protein. <laughs> Yeah, so protein is a supplement. You can get it in your powder and when when you consume it, it it acts as a protein within your body. Pretty simple stuff. Do you need it for muscle gain? Negative. No. No. In fact, you're probably better off eating whole food sources of protein. Your body has has evolved to assimilate whole foods better than really hyper palatable um, uh, processed foods, which protein you can put under that category as well. Um, So not a necessity. Um, but can help people who under-eat protein increase their protein content in a very simple and convenient way. And if you do, check out BSC. Jets 15, great protein powder. Yes. Good plug. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> Emily asked, what shoes do you re- recommend for lifting? I love this. I could talk about this all day. What Please shoes don't, do you we re- don't have that long, but... All right, okay, okay. Keep under, it short. Keep it under five minutes. Um, very general lifting here in the gym, doing squats, doing deadlifts, you know, not really doing much jumping or, or, or too many. A, yeah, general. A very general um, shoes that have, you know, they're pretty close to the floor. The more, the more stuffing we have between the floor and our feet, yeah. like running shoes, for example, the less contact we have with the floor. And when it comes to lifting, particularly with leg exercises, but just about every exercise is our connection to the floor gives us our tension and finds us uh, a lot more power. And if we're losing that or buffering that tension through foam in our shoes, arguably we're not recruiting um, our nerves as much as we could be. So we want a shoe that's relatively flat, you know, doesn't really have a heel rise. Um, you know, there's shoes like Nike Metcons, um, Reebok Nanos, Under Armour have a, a, a tri-base I think they're up to fours now. You know, they're, they're built for, for lifting and other sort of functional movements as well, but there's something to be said about a nice pair of chucks as well. That's what I go with. Chucks, chucks, chucks. Chucks, well, chucks, chucks. Converse. No, I just feel like it's just a simple shoe. Yep. You can do everything. A lot of people, I guess, are common, like a newbie to the gym, mm-hmm. might only have like their running shoe, which is their Great. go-to exercise shoe, and then you'll go into the gym and you'll do everything with that. Yeah. But then you get to a stage where you realize that, oh, I'm squatting with these massive yes. heel ultra boosts Huge. and it's not very good for me, not really helping not me out. So you kind of want to get just a flat shoe sometimes, mm-hmm. at least Absolutely. me anyway. You don't want to have, you, you want your running shoes for running. And Correct. Yeah, anything else for... That's for it. That. You see the serious people go, no shoes at all, squatting yeah. and deadlifting. That's actually a very interesting topic as well. And arguably you will, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a study out there about, you know, lifting with, without shoes and I'm sure there's a lot more neural output, nerve output with no shoes on because you're connected to the floor, you're really, you're really grounded. Um, but it doesn't have to say you have to have no shoes mm-hmm. on either. And in fact, um, uh, some gyms out there don't allow it, so just be careful yep. if, if you're taking your shoes off in the gym. Um, so, yep, flat shoes, yep. flat shoes close to the ground. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's it. Pa. Ah, that's great. I'm sick of my voice. Are you sick of my voice? Ah, uh, no. Always oh. a pleasure listening and learning <laughs> Thanks, from mate. your mind, the mind of Bart. 
Um, yeah, team. So that's a bit about cardio. Again, if you have any questions or you have any queries, podcast at jets.com.au. Uh, follow us on social. Follow us on the social, Jets Australia, TikTok, Instagram, you know, whatever else, YouTube. We're putting, we're putting out some content with uh, ancillary content on YouTube like mm. this. A cardio video will be coming out just to go in depth about what we've talked about today, uh, but showing what you should do in the gym. So How, how fun. Thanks for listening, guys. No worries, team. Um, We'll see you uh, in the next one.